Hey there, welcome to the Pine Island Experience Podcast. I'm Joanna Anderson with my husband, Trigby. Each of our episodes will be conversations with fellow Pine Islanders. The goal of our podcast is to share with you our experiences, what we have found to be fun, and what makes the Pine Island Experience so unique. The 2,400 acres we have, a lot of it's mangroves. So, you know, uh, we got, we pretty much got the mangroves protected. The focus now is, is got to be the uplands. The uplands is, is two things. It's number one, it's prime development because if you're going to develop island, you want the uplands. But at the same time, it's the true part of Pine Island. So if you develop the uplands and there's not a whole lot of the natural pines left on the island, there are a couple areas, one being right across from the Winn-Dixie. There's 55 acres there that is a beautiful piece of property. Uh, it is in a family trust, 13 members that we've been negotiating with for about five years now. It would be a very expensive piece of property because the value of it right now would probably be close to $2 million. We don't have that kind of money in our organization to buy that. Uh, a developer could buy it and put in 50, 60, 70 houses, uh, which would be a disaster because it is a prime Pine Island, natural big pines. I walked it with the owners and some of our members, and it is a gorgeous piece to preserve as natural Pine Island. Lose sleep at night trying to figure out how I can rally to get enough money to buy that from these people. Robert Ballard, president of the Calusa Land Trust, was explaining how difficult and how expensive it is to acquire land on Pine Island. In keeping with the Calusa Land Trust mission, the purpose of the CLT is to protect the natural diversity and beauty of Pine Island region by acquiring, managing, and preserving in perpetuity. Robert says the focus should be on preserving the uplands, the true part of Pine Island with natural big pines, but these areas are prime development. This is one of the challenges Mr. Ballard is trying to solve. And now, here's Robert. Well, thank you, Robert. Well, I'm so excited you're here. I know we met a couple of years ago, I think it was. Nice seeing you again. And thank you so much for coming. And um, we're Well, gonna... thanks for the invitation. Good. I'm so glad you accepted. And we're going um, to talk about the Calusa Land, Land Trust at length, but we want to talk about you first. Okay. Since well, let's you've not been make here. it too much about me, but <laughs> <laughs> it's more about Land Trust than me. But uh, yes, I... Give you a little background. Yeah, give us a little background. It's not, it's fascinating. Okay. Well, I'm a, a third-generation Pine Islander. Uh, my uh, mother was born on Kea Costa in 1929. Uh, my grandfather came down from northern Florida, settled on Kea Costa in the 20s. Uh, actually, my his uh, father and and uncle bought land on Kea Costa in 1888, wow. uh, center part of the island. Uh, they came over to Boquilla in uh, 1942, so my mother could go to high school uh, and been on the island since then. 
and I was born in 1946, uh, and I was not born in Bokilia. Uh, my mother and father were living on the dock in front of Captain Kant at the time, uh, but she went into Fort Myers to have me, so oh. I was actually born in Fort Myers, but uh, wow. after she delivered me, she uh, came back to the island, and uh, so I spent uh, my first seven seven years uh, on Bokilia. And then my dad took a job uh, on a ranch where the Publix is on Burnstore Road. Uh, and uh, we moved to the ranch uh, in 1953. And I lived on the ranch until 1962 when the ranch was sold to Cape Coral. And that time we moved back to the house in Bokilia. And I lived there until I graduated from high school and went, uh, started my working career and uh, moved away. But then you came back. And then I came back. Yeah, I <laughs> moved away to see what the outside world looked like mm -hmm. and uh, spent 31 years in New England and came back in 2000 and been back since then. Very good year. So you've been back quite a while. Yes. So what kind of work did you do while you were in New England? Uh, I started out as a draftsman. And uh, from the draftsman, I worked in uh, tech writing and became a tech writer and wrote techno technical manuals. Uh, and then from there, I uh, went into technical sales and became a, a salesman and uh, sold uh, plasma cutting equipment, metal cutting torches, uh, mechanized cutting equipment. Uh, and came back to Florida working uh, as, uh, as a salesman for a robotics company. Uh, and uh, they went under a couple times and I worked construction in Florida for uh, about five years. Uh, did not want to go back to New England. Uh, and after five years, uh, I had an opportunity to go back to work for the company in New Hampshire, but I stayed in Florida and as a salesman and uh, worked uh, five years with them until I retired. And I retired in 2013. And... Uh, been here since then. Because the next thing I was going to ask you is, how did you discover Pinot? Yeah. <laughs> you were born here, you know. Yeah, my mother, yeah. <laughs> I, I was get, uh, shown it early early on, yeah. It is an attraction, though. It's interesting about um, you're not the first person who had roots, at least in this area in southwest Florida. And they try other parts of the country, and it seems like the vast majority end up coming back. Yeah, that was one of the, uh, one of the things that lured me to go outside and see what the outside world looked like. I wanted to see why people came to Florida, what, what they were leaving, what they, uh, what the outside world looked like. And, uh, and I did, and it was an eye opener. Uh, I first left here. I went to Connecticut, uh, and lived in Connecticut for five years. And I call it my tour of duty. Uh, <laughs> I lived right outside of New York city. And, oh, wow. Uh, it was uh kill you to the New York City suburbs. Yes. <laughs> uh it was an eye opener. Wow. Uh the rat race is was live and well. <laughs> and uh after I got married, uh we on our way back to Florida, we went to uh New Hampshire. My wife's family had a place up in New Hampshire and we went up there for the summer before we came back to Florida. And when it came back time to come back to Florida. She did not want to come to Florida. So I said, if I can find a job, we'll stay. And turned out I, I found a job and we wound up staying for 
31, uh, 27 years. Wow. So um, to the Calusa Land Trust, so how did that originally get formed or become organized? Okay, uh, the Calusa Land Trust started out as the Calusa uh, Land Association, Calusa Island Association, I think one's called. Uh, it was a group uh, that uh, residents on Calusa Island, which is an island off of Boquilla. Um, and they wanted to kind of preserve uh, the, the island itself, and they formed the Clusa Island Association uh, early on to kind of protect that. And uh, over the years, they, they decided they needed to do a little bit more than just the island, and they were trying to figure out how they could do more than just protect the island, and they couldn't find a, a vehicle to do that. And... Eventually, they got tied up with this other fella who uh, decided that they needed to broaden the scope, and they created the Clusa Land Trust Incorporated, Pine Island Incorporated, and that was in 1989, I think, was when it was created. Now, the Clusa Island Association was created in 1976. That was mm -hmm. the initial group. And in 1989, it became the Clusa Land Trust of Pine Island Incorporated. And uh, it is what it is today. And then how does a trust, so, so I have read something about, you know, protecting the lands and, mm -hmm. and the history and, and I think, how does a trust accomplish that for, I don't understand trusts, I guess. Okay, well, the trust uh, basically is, is uh, an organization that's set up to, and it, it is a nonprofit organization that's set up to uh, take land by either buy it or be given land to take care of, to, to steward and manage for the protection of the land, to keep it natural as you can and manage it as such for the use of the citizens and basically uh, protect it from growth or over being developed. Most of the land trusts in the United States are paid organizations. We are one of the few that are all volunteers, wow. no paid staff. Mm -hmm. Most of the big organizations, and I've visited some of them, have 10 to 12 paid staff, and we are all non-paid staff here on the island. So we are kind of unique. We are we belong to the uh, Land Trust, National Land Trust uh, Alliance, and we we balk about trying to get recognition on our as part of that organization because most of those people are organizations that are paid organizations and we are not a paid organization. So we don't fit into that big category. Okay. So it's a big membership fee and stuff to get in that group. And so we can't get the official title of, of that group because of that. But we, we do what we can here mm -hmm. to protect the island. And we have 2,400 acres right now. Yeah, it's huge under our jurisdiction. You had a, a lot of endowments? Uh, we don't have much endowments. Is that, that's something we're working on to try to get endowments. So okay. we've been donated a, a lot of property, but we, as far as endowments, we don't have uh, okay. endowments as much. That's something we're looking at uh, potentially developing that process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know a lot of times some people choose to donate. One of the concerns is, you know, what's the organization's overhead? There's websites that can tell you. But with being so being an all-volunteer organization, then 100% of the 
of donations then go into that preservation process since there's no paid staff? Is that a... That's correct. Okay. That's, that's correct. Uh, everything goes into either preserving the land or or buying uh, land to preserve or managing that land. Yes. So the managing then would be things like the cleanups, the rebuilding, et cetera, that, that all... That's it. If, that if, we have to, uh, if we have to hire a contractor to come in and to uh, say it's a big uh, exotic growth and we have to bring a contractor in to remove the exotic plants then uh, that comes out of that if uh, we decided that we need to open you know we buy inherit or buy a, a piece of property that we can put trails in like Wigert Barron uh, we can hire a contractor to come in and cut trails okay our volunteers you know we're all up in our age, so to speak. <laughs> uh, we're not young people anymore. And uh, volunteers, we're limited to what we can do. Well, you know, we have work, what we call work fund parties once a month mm -hmm. for three hours on a Saturday. We, do, we get a lot done on that. But again, most of us are above 60 years old. And uh, some of us are pushing 80. And there's a lot, we, there's a limit to what we can do. And, but we get a lot done in three hours. Well, you do, and it, uh, the fun party is included, the I fun, have to say. Yeah, the fun part is, is included. At the end of the <laughs> time, we have a, usually have pizza or something come in, and, and it's a social hour where we sure. can talk and, and, and get together, yeah. But I have to tell you, uh, everybody's packing a chainsaw. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's incredible, yeah. you know, those the, those work parties. That, yes. I mean, and the work that gets done yes. is incredible. Yes, we. It, it's amazing how much work we can get done in three hours. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, uh, some of it's just beyond our scope. Uh, you know, there's some big trees. That, and right now, after this hurricane uh, last year, uh, there was like the Taylor Willow Lake Preserve, for particular instance, those trails we had contractor come in and cut those trails with a grinding machine mm -hmm. uh, when i laid those trails out uh me and another fellow laid those trails out we had to crawl through the palmettas to flag the trails they were so big and so thick and when he came in and ground the trails out the hurricane faded like a, a mesh of trees overlaid it and it was almost like you had to crawl through them again. Wow. The trails were disappeared. So we were going to hire the contractor to come back in because he knew the thing to just grind a pass back mm -hmm. through again. Unfortunately, his machine was down. <laughs> uh, and the parts were like six months to get the parts. And it went on and on and on. And he had one failure after another failure trying to get his machine running. We wound up having a work party and... People with chainsaws, we opened yep. up the trail. Wow. Yep. We, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but we opened up the trail yep. in a in a three-hour period. And raising trees, too, over here. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. yeah people, they show up in pickup trucks, right. and everybody gets together, props the tree up. Yes. What's it? I mean, it's amazing. It is. It is. Yeah. All volunteers, too. All volunteers. Yep. All volunteers. Yes. Now, how did you become aware of the Calusa Land Trust and, and begin your participation? When, when we came, first came back down here in 2000 uh, and started coming back out to Island more often to visit my mother, and she lived in Boquilla, and I'd come out. And we became aware of this organization called the Clusa Land Trust, and we said, well, we should probably support it. So 
my wife and I started supporting it financially. We joined as just a financial supporter. And after about three or four years, we said, well, maybe we should go to this annual meeting they have or something. And so we started going to the annual meeting. And then at one of the annual meetings, uh, about 2008, I guess it was, or 2009, we were at the annual meeting and uh, Judy Ott, who was uh, on the board, but also uh, working for the Charlotte Harbor National Estuary Program, said that uh, the National Estuary Program was looking for citizens advisory committee members from the public. And if anybody was interested, please join. So I thought, well, let me look into this group. So I checked it out, and it was a group that was concerned about the the estuary of Charlotte Harbor and surrounding people. And I said, well, that's something I could probably do. I was interested in saving Charlotte Harbor. And so I said, well, I talked to Judy about it, and I said, well, I wouldn't mind doing this as a representative for the Charlotte, for the Clusa Land Trust, as their representative to this board. So I joined, and so I was nominated to be on the CHNEP as uh, an advisory, citizen advisory board member from Clusa Land Trust. And that's, got involved with the, the board at that point as a representative of the Clusa Land Trust to the board. So I did that for about five years, six years. And then uh, the acting director of that retired and they brought in a new director of the CHNEP who, and they also moved uh, into Onagora municipal offices. And it, it appeared that Onagora government was taking over pretty much going to run the organization. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it appeared to me that's the way it was running. Things started changing. Uh, the acting director retired and a new director came in and the, the citizen advisory committee was told to pretty much shut up. In other words, we were not an advocacy group anymore. We were there to listen and advise we could not advocate for anything anymore because we were advocating for to send letters to the state mm-hmm. about environmental issues, and we were told to shut up and not stir the pot. And I says, I can't do this. This is not. And so basically, there's three parts to the CHNEP. There's the policy committee, which are all the government officials, all the county commissioners and stuff. They're a part of that. They're the, they're the ones that run the show. There's the technical people where all the uh, scientists gather all the data. And then there's the advisory committee who look at that stuff and are asked to rubber stamp what goes on. And so we were told basically our job is to rubber stamp whatever they say. And I can't do that. Yep. So I stepped down from that. At that point, they they were looking for people on the board, plus the land trust, and I was asked to run for or be become a member of the board, and I did that. And and then I was asked to become vice president, which I ran for vice president or was nominated for vice president and became vice president. 
shortly on the term of vice president, the, the president resigned and I became president. <laughs> and uh, I've been president since then. Wow. It's been about five or six years now. Wow. So what's the structure of the board and, and there, uh, are there advisory committees <laughs> as similar or is it pretty much the board and the volunteers or how's that all set up? Well, we have, uh, we have pretty much the board of directors, which are 13 people. Okay. We have numbers from uh, 11 to 15, I think is our limit to what we have, but we have around 13 people right now. Uh, we have the acquisition and planning committee, mm -hmm. uh, which reviews potential property uh, for purchase, and we have a criteria for evaluating that property to make a decision on whether it's worth buying or not. Mm -hmm. Because we don't buy, we don't take everything that's given or brought before us okay. or offered to us. We look the gift force in the mouth, and sometimes we do not take the gift force. If it doesn't fit our criteria, mm -hmm. we don't take it. We also do planning on our preserves. You know, we have a short-term uh, planning and a long-term planning on our preserves, what we're going to do with them. That's something that I set up when we, when I became president. So we got to have, and that's the other thing I did since I became president. I said, we got all these land. We need to open it up to the public. Basically, all we had was we had uh, the St. Jude Trail here. That was pretty much all we had for open to the public. Mm -hmm. And I said, we got these other preserves. We need to open them up to the public. We need to make trails. We need to make them accessible. So now we have the Wagner Baron, uh, yep. and we have Taylor Willow Lake, and we have the Chapin Preserve, and we have the uh, Dobbs Preserve all open for public. Yeah, and people love to hike. Yes. Yeah. And see the <clears throat> the eagles and the wildlife. Right. Yeah. And that was it. And that was me opening up. And the whole point is uh, we're not making a park. We're making preserves. Mm -hmm. So they're natural, they're uh, natural as we can be and open up as limited as we can to make them accessible, but not make them uh, a park. Right. Uh, we're not making paved walkways. We're not making ADC, uh, ADA accessible. You got to be able to be able to get into them mm -hmm. and, and to try to protect them. And so we try to keep the exotics out of them, uh, which is, if you know, the island is a full-time job. It's <laughs> a lot of work to try to keep them, yes. keep them out of the... Uh, Keep them down. Then we have uh, we have what we call the clothesline, which is our commercial selling part, which where they sell the T-shirts and stuff. Oh, okay. Then we have the duck, the publication, the, the duck committee uh, fundraising that does the duck. And we do also have the uh, annual rummage sale. Right. So that's a good, two different committees on that. But pretty much that's, and then, and of course, we have the finance committee and and you have some paddling, too. Well, we have uh, offered paddling, uh, we call it the uh, Peter Ordway uh, yeah. Outdoor Adventures. Yeah. That was done by one of the previous uh, presidents. Uh, he was a uh, uh, kayak and, and canoe business for a while and, and offered uh, paddling things. And so they created this thing called the Peter Ordway uh, Outdoor Adventure Paddling. Mm -hmm. So we have that in the wintertime, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty popular. Yeah, it's pretty popular. And you have great places to launch kayaks. Well, we pick places to go. Uh, used to, a few years ago, it used to be the, the kickoff was over at uh, Fish Eating Creek. Now, it was just a pretty good haul from here. It was about mm -hmm. 80 miles, 90 miles from here. Uh, but if you've ever been to Fish Eating Creek, it's a beautiful place to go. 
for ki- uh, kayaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you got to get the water just right too. Uh, sometimes it's pretty low and it's kind of hard to oh. <laughs> maneuver. Other times it's uh, water's high. It's great. But then, yeah, around here uh, they try to pick a place that uh, is accessible and easy to get to. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of our places, uh, like the Fritz Park place, uh, which goes out into Big Jim Creek, uh, that's pretty much uh, become a disaster and grown up and stuff. You can't mm-hmm. get in there anymore. Um, Smokehouse Bay off of the Chapin Preserve uh, is being opened up now. Mm-hmm. Will be another place we'll be able to do it. But yeah, the Clues Island thing is a very popular venture. Yeah. And the Jug Creek. So with your work fund parties, I mean, 2,400 acres is no small task no. in terms of, are those year round or primarily in season or how is that? They're in season. Uh, we were having them uh, September through uh, July in the past, but as I say, most of our people are in the 80s, 70s, mm-hmm. or 80s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh, and it's getting to be, you know, June, June is tough. Yes. Yeah. yeah. September's tough. So in the last year or so, we cut back and it, May is our last one and we don't open back up until October. Okay. Yeah. So we trying to cut the summer out so the humidity gets so high and stuff. Uh, we don't want anybody, nobody passing out from heat stroke, you know. And it's, is it like the first Saturday of the month or is it? It's there the a, uh, second Saturday of each month. Second Saturday of each month. Second and Saturday it's advertised on your website, right? Yes. And, and newsletters. And, uh, and then I have a list of volunteers if you go and I, yeah. and I send out a, a thing to everybody on the list. So we have like three ways of doing it. We publish it in Eagle. Uh-huh. Uh, you can go on to our Facebook page. Right. Uh, and I do it uh, on a email. Site. Yeah, the and, email is great. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, our website is has not been updated as much as we'd like to do it. It's kind of hard to keep the website up. The mm-hmm. lady that does that uh, has moved away from the island. She's moved out to Iowa because her mother had health issues, and so we the correspondence there is kind of hard to keep that up to date on the current events. So. Right. It's not worked out as well as it should be. It is a nice website. Yeah. I, I like yeah. it. It's very well done. Yeah. And yeah, um, she's done a nice job doing it. It's yeah. just hard keeping it updated. Keeping it uh, current. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's been my responsibility to keep it updated. And <laughs> with everything else going on, I've not been sure. very good about keeping it, keeping her informed. She does She does a good job once yeah. we get a tour, but uh, I've not been very good about right. getting her, keeping her updated and I haven't found somebody else that wanted to step up and keep her updated. So it's kind of hard to do that. In the shop on there, I noticed you can get the nature lovers, you know, yeah. guide, yes. which is great. And then um, the t-shirts are adorable. Yeah. yeah. And you can, the hats. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well you, she has to rotate. There's, she's limited how much stuff she can put on the, yeah. uh, on the website uh, is available. She, uh, we can't put everything on there. Mm-hmm. So she tries to rotate what's available yeah. on there. Yeah. So maybe let's talk a little bit about the membership and, and dues or fees or whatever okay. and, and different kinds of things that sure. your folks offer. Well, the membership is pretty simple. Uh, it, right now we went to a yearly uh, annual membership uh, before it was all over the place, but now it's a January to December membership. Uh, and it's, Pretty straightforward. It's a twenty-five dollar uh, membership, uh, and uh, for individual uh, and uh, family is 
maybe $50 for uh, family membership, but it's pretty reasonable. Uh, and uh, it goes for a year, you know, uh, and out of that, you know, you, it, that money goes into uh, helping maintain the preserves and stuff. And you get a newsletter. We try to get a newsletter out quarterly, let you know what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, Are there any um, new events coming up or that you're aware of? A new event? Well, we, we will be at the uh, Stone Crab Fest oh. coming up. Uh, we try to be at, at some of the local fests uh, with our uh, booth. And then coming up in January will be our annual meeting. This will be my last year as president. Oh. I, uh, last year was supposed to be my last year, but uh, <laughs> I don't know how that part works. I, the hurricane, I, I said I would stay on one more year because of the hurricane. I tried to get things squared away, but I, I said this year will be my last year. And you'll have the annual rummage sale in January again? I'm not sure on that yet because last year we had a combination. Uh, we joined the rummage sale with the uh, duck race. Mm -hmm. There's some talk about doing that. Uh, not sure what what they're going to the final decision on that is. Uh, whether they'll have it at the duck race or separate. I'm not sure. Do you think it'll be a? I know it was a raffle last year because of the hurricane, right? It was a raffle last year. We yeah. Unless something changes, it will be a duck race at okay. the. Uh, the new marker five or whatever it, whatever it's called, uh, which is the old ragged S. Oh, okay. That's where we'll be at. Marker five, and that's usually around. It's the March. last. It's the first. Uh, the first uh, Saturday in March. March. And so that'll be the third then. Yeah. Okay. Those are fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. People look forward to that, and people, you know. Uh, they ask for they ask for it. people that clamor for that. They had really asked when it's going to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's that's our big. Although we did very well last year with the, uh, I was surprised how well we did with the raffle last year. I was really surprised. I didn't think we it would do it. It was a big success over at Fine's Wine, right? At the Fine's yeah. Wine, yeah. yeah. We uh, we did very well. Mm -hmm. I didn't think we would do as well as we did, but we did about thirty. I think thirty-four thousand dollars. Wow! That nice. combination. And then, in addition to your fundraising events, a um, little bit about the donation process and how that works. Yeah, the donation process. Uh, you can donate anytime, and we get a lot of donations throughout the year. And it's easy. You know, you can go to our website, and it's easy to do that with a credit card. And when you do it with the credit card online, it goes directly into our bank account. Oh, wow! Excellent. You can. Do your membership online, and it goes directly to the bank account. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's easy to do it. It's easy to renew your membership online. Mm -hmm. It's easy. To, uh, you can even buy your duck tickets online. Oh, uh, on the website. Okay, uh, I didn't know that. Yes. That's new. Cause we usually buy them from people yeah. we know. Okay, yeah. uh, but you can do it online if if you don't want to purchase from one of the people. Mm -hmm. So it, it's easy to do it. We we've. we've um, Invested a couple of years ago into this database program called Donor Perfect, which helps us manage our our whole uh, database for our clientele, you know, our uh, membership, uh, which was really bad mm. the way we had it run with old database and people had different databases. This really helps us track everything. Excellent, and it also helps us do this payment thing 
mm-hmm. online. Nice. And it really works nice. Very well done. Very well done. You said done. it was Donor Perfect? Donor Perfect is the well, name. That's a great perfect. name. Yeah. <laughs> we, you know, it lets us do a lot of things that, and lets us know. And one of the things we did, we had over 3,000 names, almost 3,000 names in our database uh, early on as far as members go. These members were not contributing anything. <laughs> they were just dead people. Oh, no. And Aww. so over the, since we switched over, one of the things we did was reach out to these people to see who were really active, who wasn't. And so we whittled that down. And reality is we have about 300 and some active members. Okay. And so that was one of the things that this database helped us do was get a hold of really right. how many real people we have mm-hmm. versus all these cost of mailing, all, all these 3,000 people that were not even there, yeah. uh, newsletters and stuff like that. Uh, we cut that, you know, cut our expenses back really well, that was smart. drastically. Yeah. So I know with some of the cleanup that you've talked about and with your pending uh, stepping down, but any future plans that you can share or is the focus just like on getting things back reopened and so forth? And Yeah, well, the, the biggest project we have, we still have some real big repair to do at the St. Jude Trail, the... Uh, boardwalk at the end of the trail mm-hmm. and the dock at the end uh, needs to be repaired. The hurricane took and, and, and moved part of that across the bay, uh, uplifted the dock. The dock is completely gone. Some of the boardwalk was lifted up into the trees. Yeah. That needs to be reset. Uh, we just got a proposal to do that. It's a very expensive proposal. We only got one one response to our request for bids, and we need to move forward on that. We need to get that repaired. Uh, so we will probably have a fundraiser event to, or at least a program to to try to generate money for that, yeah. and get that started yeah. and get that rebuilt. That's that's a big project, but we need to get that done. The uh, other issues we got four properties that we're going to be talking about. Property on the island is very expensive right now. I was going to say, and that was a question I was going to ask. I know, um, I, I don't know anything about real estate, but I know a couple, two, three years ago, prices were, I mean, you could put a home on the, I'll make up a number, for 300000 I mean, they were getting bids for 400000 like yeah. they're, you know, way, way right. higher percent. Yeah. So that's got to then roll down to an organization like yours where the land has, even undeveloped, then has a perceived higher value or, or actual real yes. value. Yes, the, uh, and... You know, we uh, the 2,400 acres we have, a lot of it's mangroves. Okay. So, you know, uh, we got we pretty much got the mangroves protected. Okay. The focus now is has got to be the uplands. The uplands is is two things. It's number one, it's prime development, because if you're going to develop Highland, you want the uplands. But at the same time, it's the true part of Pine Island. Yes. So if you develop the uplands, and there's not a whole lot of the natural pines left on the island, there are a couple areas, one being right across from the Winn-Dixie. There's mm-hmm. 55 acres there that is a beautiful piece of property. Uh, it is in a family trust, 13 members that we've been negotiating with for about five years now. It would be a very expensive piece of property because the value of it right now would probably be close to $2 million. We don't have that kind of money mm-hmm. in our organization to buy that. Uh, a developer could buy it and put in 50, 60, 70 houses 
mm-hmm. uh, which would be a disaster because right. it is a prime pine island, natural big pines. I walked it with the owners and some of our members, and it is a gorgeous piece to preserve as natural pine island. Lose sleep at night trying to figure out how I can rally to get enough money to buy that from these people. Mm-hmm. But two of the members of the, of the family would like to keep it in a preserve. The other ones want the money. Mm-hmm. But they haven't sold it yet. So it's hard. It's hard. And then we're, in, we're talking about two pieces on the Bokelia end. Uh, one's in a family that I grew up with that the family's owned the property since the 19 teens, 1916, 1917. It's now gone to pot, so to speak. It's grown up, but it could be a very beautiful piece of property. It's about 10 acres. And uh, I just met with one of the grandsons just before I went to North this summer. He's interested in trying to preserve it, so he was going to talk to his other family members, and we'll see, see where that goes. It would be nice to preserve some of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's another piece across the road from that that has been cleared of some of the exotics, uh, but they were asking a big chunk of money for that, and the board members were balking. So the, the board would not spend overspend for money for right. property. Very very conscientious about spending money over overspending. So we're very judicious about how we spend our money that uh, is given to us. We will do what we can. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else about the Clusa Line Trust you'd like to share that we have not yet asked you? Well, I I would say that if anybody is interested in trying to, to protect Pine Island, this is one of the ways to do it. We work with 2020. Uh, mm-hmm. We When they get a chance, they have more resources than we do and sometimes they are able to buy property and we support them most of the time when it's uh, looks like something that's in the good interest of pine island we support the sanibel captiva organization at times in their endeavors uh, sometimes we turn them over to them uh, like the islands off of uh, gold island that were just bought we recommended that they look into that because it was way over our price tag and they bought it we also work with the uh, conservation uh, group out of uh, Southwest Florida, which owns the property across from Flamingo Bay. We are in close contact with them. So we work with other groups trying to do what we can to save the island. Yeah. say we are a nonprofit, we're a small group, and we're limited in resources, but we do what we can. And we need the support of the island, and we need uh, people to come out and help us. Uh, and we get a lot of help from uh, island people, but we also get a lot of help from people off the island and snowbirds. We appreciate everybody that help and contribute. To learn more about it, which which preserves w- would you suggest um, they go to? And um... I would say the, the Wigert Barren Preserve is a good, very good preserve. The, uh, the St. Jude Trail uh, is a very popular one. Mm-hmm. Um, the Taylor Willow Lake... It, when we get that back in shape, uh, we did a last-minute effort uh, in the springtime to get that back up, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not in great shape yet. This year, we'll get it back in good shape. That would be a beautiful place to 
go. That's by the Catholic Church and on the island. Mm-hmm. Those are the three. So maybe start the three there. Major ones yeah. to to look at the the uh, Dobbs Preserve, mm-hmm. which is up uh, by uh, Tropical Point. Yep. Uh, is a short walk. Uh, it's not a bad little walk. Uh, mm-hmm. We've put some boardwalks across there, so you can do a short walk on that. There's uh, beautiful sunrises out there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So they can go out there. So those are four yep. ones. That, of, and then go on your website to see where all the yes. preserves and trails yep. and kayak launches are. Yes. Yeah, that's and, perfect. And we have brochures from uh, most of them. Uh, Dobbs Preserve, we do not have a brochure yet uh, working okay. on that, but most of the other ones have brochures with trail yep. maps on them. Yes. Super. Well, we appreciate you coming out, talking to us about this today, and uh, we were looking forward to this for quite a while, so I'm uh, glad you made it. And welcome home. Well, thank you. You're, you're going to be busy. Yes. You're going to be very busy. <laughs> yes. I always am. Uh, yeah. I've already been busy since uh, three days I've been back. I've already been repairing yeah. stuff. And, we were waiting for you. <laughs> been repairing gates and stuff that have uh, been damaged since I've been gone. So, yeah. Well, it's looking at shaping up beautifully. There's new signs and yeah. benches. and yeah. So yeah. very nice. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed our Pine Island Experience podcast. If you have any ideas for us, people to interview, or any comments, please feel free to email them to us at pineislandexperience at gmail.com. That's pineislandexperience, all one word, at gmail.com. Don't forget to like us, and you may subscribe to this podcast using all the major catchers like Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening, and remember, island life is a constant vacation. We'll see you on the next podcast. 